It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence with the latest episode in our Off the Road interview series. We're wrapping up our second anniversary with three incredible guitarists back to back. We started with Joe Satriani's second appearance on the series, then welcomed John McLaughlin back for his third time, and now offer up a debut. Today, one of the greatest rock bands of all time returns, The Doors, whose drummer John Densmore was our guest last year, and now we welcome for his first appearance on the series, legendary Doors guitarist Robbie Krieger. Robbie recently released his book, Set the Night on Fire, filled with first-hand accounts of life in the doors and alongside among rock's most celebrated frontman, Jim Morrison. It's The Doors, Robbie Krieger, on Off the Road. A huge aloha and mahalo, Robbie. We appreciate you doing this and taking the time for us. Are you in Hawaii? We are in Hawaii, and in fact, it was way back in 2005 at the Kahala Hotel, you, the late, great Ray Manzarek, and Ian Asbury of the cult, and myself, we were all hanging out doing an interview in that conference room there. We had a really cool time talking. Uh, I remember that, yeah. I always remember at the end of that, there's all this doors paraphernalia laid out on the table. You were just standing there looking around the room, talking to people, and Ray is signing everything, and he looks over at you and goes, Robbie, grab a pen and sign everything that has our name on it. <laughs> 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 That's right. That is right. So uh, you're joining us from your home in Southern California. Right. So I tried to pick a variety of stories in the book, which are not really offered by you in a complete chronological order. So I'm not going to follow one either all the time. But we will start, I guess, hopefully with uh, you telling us the story of John Densmore first introducing you to Jim Morrison when he brought Jim over to your parents' house. <laughs> I'd heard about him from the other guys, but had never met him. And at that time, nobody thought he was nuts or anything. You know, he was just a college guy. He was in film school. So he came over, and I just thought he was a normal guy who wrote really good words. I'd read some of the words that he had written, like Moonlight Drive and stuff like that. And then I played some guitar for them. I played some uh, slide guitar. And Jim really liked that. He never heard it before, you know. So that was pretty cool. He had short hair then? Um, let me think. No, it wasn't short. It wasn't real long. But he definitely looked a little raggedy for a college guy. <laughs> <laughs> and any cool stories, additional ones, of your parents interacting with Jim Morrison that writing the book helped you remember? <laughs> well, my mom loved him because he was real, very much like a Southern gentleman, you know. Because he grew up in the South. He really charmed her. <laughs> and <laughs> and my dad uh, my dad liked him, too, for some reason, even though he had to bail Jim out of jail about a week later. <laughs> <laughs> we had our first uh, rehearsal. He didn't show up. And we said, where's Jim? This is crazy. And pretty soon we get a phone call. He's out in Blythe. California in jail they'd got in a bar fight with some hell's angels <laughs> <laughs> not many people can say something like this like so your folks go on vacation to Europe and Jim Morrison stays with you at your house for a few weeks yeah yeah they were gone for two or three weeks and my grandpa was there 
Jim liked him, though. He said, yeah, he's cool, man. He's cool. He doesn't make any trouble or ask any questions. So he, he liked my grandpa. <laughs> grandpa Fred. Just, uh, grandpa Fred. Yeah. Stuff like that is always fascinating, especially with him. And it's great because you can really shine a light on aspects of this cat that some of it has just never been covered. You got the uh, chance to audition for the doors at that guy Hank's place. Can you explain that? Well, it was through John. Densmore. Yeah, Densmore and I were buddies at school. At first, Ray and his brothers were the band, and then the drummer quit, so then they got John, and John got me. Anything about that audition when you remember it? What an amazing part of your life, because literally we're talking today because that worked out. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, there was this place called Henshi's Clothing Store in Santa Monica. And in the back, where the parking lot was, there was this little house. And this guy Hank lived there. I don't, I don't know how he got that place, but it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, he had a piano in there. He told Ray anytime he wanted to come on and use it. And we did. You know, they had three or four other guitar players that were trying out. So on the first song, Moonlight Drive, I decided to try the slide guitar. And they loved it. (laughs) Immediately, I was in the band after that song. You remember anybody's reaction in particular? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim says, man, I want that on every song. (laughs) I want that that slide guitar. And you know what's funny is about, you have so many interesting parts, uh, and and again, it's the Doors legend, uh, Robbie Krieger is with us, Set the Night on Fire. And we had John, by the way, last year on our Off the Road series. One of the things is you tell some of the different aspects of your relationship, and some of them take place in the context of infamous Jim Morrison incidents, like the, uh, for example... 1967 show, you're at the arena in New Haven, Connecticut, referred to in the Doors classic Peace Frog. Share that story and how it was your job that night to keep Jim Morrison sober. <laughs> yeah, good luck, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, hey, Jim, let's, let's go out to dinner. And we each had a, a girl. You know, he started drinking, of course. <laughs> I kept trying to change the subject or make him forget about drinking. <laughs> Jim, we got to go on in an hour, you know, better hurry up. Uh, it didn't work very well. I mean, I, I mean, he, he didn't get plastered or anything, but he definitely uh, drank that night. So finally we get back to the uh, place in New Haven, and Jim and his girlfriend went backstage somewhere into the depths of the building, you know, and they start making out, I guess, or something. And, <laughs> and there happened to be a cop back there, and he thought that they just snuck backstage, you know, from the audience. And so he started giving them some shit, trying to, all right, get out of here, get out of here, you gotta, can't be back here. And Jim gets all pissed off and says, hey, I'm the singer i'm a singer i'm i'm doing the show here all oh, right sure i believe that <laughs> you know guy guy didn't believe him so it ended up where jim i suppose got a little crazy and and end up that the guy maced him right in the face damn mace you know and finally at that point we found him and explained to the cop hey this is this, this is our guy you know <laughs> but jim, jim couldn't let it go and and you know what happens on stage right yeah there was a lot of those times a lot of times jim would uh 
would taunt the police. And in this book, I was not even aware of all the other covers of Light My Fire that you detail. And I obviously knew about Jose Feliciano as we've had him on the show. Is there any story of Jim Morrison reacting to Jose's version of that? Um, and none of us liked it at first because it was so different than our version. Mm-hmm. It was obviously more commercial sounding than ours because what happened was after he did it, everybody started doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could hear it on the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> but then pretty soon we realized that's a good thing. You know, yeah. you, you know if a lot of people do your song, you make the money. Right, right. And you know what? I really started liking his version a lot because there's some great guitar stuff that he does. Totally. To me, it shows the strength of that song, you know, because like two totally different versions yeah. and it makes the careers of both us and and Jose, you know? No, it's huge. No, it's, number ones for each of us. I mean, that don't happen. It's giant. Other ones like the Johnny Mathis, the Nancy Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, Martha Reeves. I was unaware of them till you pointed them out in the, in the book, which really, so kudos. Yeah. Thank, thank you for doing that because the book is educational in that way too. And again, same question, any reaction from Jim to any of these? Well, I don't think any of those happened and just Jose's before Jim passed away. Oh, every other yeah, one? There was one by Minnie Ripperton that came out and he, he really loved that one. Okay. That was pretty cool. You remember him reacting to that? Yeah, he loved that one. I'm thinking of putting out a record with all the different versions like my fire. That's a cool thing. And it would cover all the bases. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Robbie Krieger of The Doors, and tomorrow we'll conclude with Robbie sharing more stories from his new book, Set the Night on Fire, including encounters with Jimi Hendrix, Simon and Garfunkel, and The Doors' trips to Hawaii. Plus, Robbie will break out a guitar that he recorded a huge Doors classic with for an exclusive musical performance. Find this and all the Off the Road episodes at hawaiipublicradio.org slash off the road and where you get podcasts. I'm Dave Lawrence. <laughs>